listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom in Santa Fe. Soul Searching is a journey where I engage with an array of thinkers from faith leaders to academics to artists to explore deep questions of meaning, questions that all of us ask at some point in our lives, such as why are we here? What is right and wrong? Is there good and evil? Is truth relative or absolute? Is there life after death? And to help us in our journey this evening, we're very honoured to welcome to our show Pastor Reed Reedus, Senior Pastor of the First Baptist Church here in Santa Fe. Pastor Reed, welcome to our show. Thanks for having me, Rabbi Neil. It's good to be with you. It's great to have you here. I have to ask, starting off looking at your resume, you have a a doctorate, a Master's of Divinity, and a BA in English Literature. So um, it's very impressive. Did you write a doctoral thesis? I'm actually still working on that at uh, Baylor University. I'm in the dissertation writing phase. I've been there for a little while. I wish I were done, but I'm not. Is, is it a, on a topic that you can share? Sure. Uh, my doctoral work focuses on the multicultural nature of the New Testament church. So it, it very much involves God's heart for the nations that we see in the Old Testament or the First Testament, as uh, my Jewish friends would rather me call it, and I'm fine to call it that. Really? I, I um, haven't heard that phrase first. I'd, I'd say Hebrew Bible. Testament, yeah. I'd say Hebrew Bible and Christian Bible. That's interesting. Okay, go on. So the multicultural nature of, of the Christian Bible, go on. Yeah, or, or just, in other words, God's heart for the nations throughout the entirety of the Christian Bible is another way of looking at it. That sounds fascinating. I, I, is it something you're enjoying writing? I have had so much fun. Um, they say you should pick wisely um, the scope of your research mm. to not kill yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I probably made the scope of my research too wide. It goes from Genesis to Revelation. <laughs> but That is fairly wide. Uh, yes. It has been so rewarding, especially in a day and age when um, there's so much division amongst ethnicities. Um, I really believe there's so much hope uh, in the scriptures and um, have found uh, a lot of help there uh, for people that I minister uh, to and with, and I'm very thankful for it. I, I, I hope that once it's written, I hope I can have a chance to read it. It sounds fascinating. I'd love for you too. So, I mean, tell us, how, how did you come to be a pastor here in, in Santa Fe? Yeah, so uh, maybe a little bit about me, and then I can go into that. Sure. My, um, You said my name great. Thank you for that. Uh, it looks My last name looks like Redis, uh, but it is Reed Redis. I was born in Dallas, uh, lived in Amarillo most of my uh, growing up days, did uh, seminary in San Francisco at Golden Gate Baptist, and um, now trying to you know finish that doctorate one day. Uh, my wife is Amy, um, outside of my personal relationship with the Lord, um, she is by far the greatest blessing in my life. I'm so thankful for um, the gift that she is. Um, recently, uh, in our church, I was up preaching, and um, 
one of our young married gals uh, started to get mad at my wife, she said, as I was preaching because she noticed my wife cuddling with uh, a man huh. on the, the front row. And um, it wasn't until after church that that man stood up and turned around and she realized that was my, our son, Noah. And um, my wife had just been, you know, cuddling with our son, but he's grown so much. <laughs> uh, really, while we were in Santa Fe, we've been here five years, and when we came, he was at my at my waist, and now he's two inches taller than me. Uh-huh. And uh, we also have a, a beautiful daughter, Emery, and um, love all of the... There's so many fun things to do here in Santa Fe. Um, the way I came to pastor here is um, I was at seminary at Golden Gate Baptist in San Francisco, and really had gone there to be an overseas missionary um, during college. Uh, I had the just great privilege to um, start visiting different countries, telling people the great news about Jesus. And um, uh, really that particular seminary is known for training missionaries. And uh, while I was there, I, I really felt a, a, a pretty profound spiritual experience where I felt a shift in my calling from um, being a missionary to pastoring as a missionary uh, in a missional way. Uh, The church I served was in Tiburon, uh, California, and um, that church, uh, they told me I should preach more. They wanted me Mm. to preach. They liked me preaching, and um, I had never thought about being a pastor, never wanted to do that, and um, maybe I'll get a chance to share how I even came to believe in God, but I I always wanted to be a high-powered attorney. That was my goal in my life. And um, the last thing I ever wanted to do was to pastor. But um, the culture we lived in there in San Francisco, maybe some of your listeners are pretty familiar, but, um, you know, so many people there aren't necessarily hostile to Jesus. Um, It's, he's just something they've never considered before, never been on their radar, really. Um, A lot of their understanding of Jesus, especially of Christians, comes from Hollywood or Fox News, <laughs> those are not, uh, with all due respect to those um, agencies, they are not the best sources on the person and work of uh, Jesus Christ, Jesus Messiah. And so I served um, at that church and really began to kind of fall in love with that type of work where just people really hadn't considered him at all. And I, I grew up more in the Bible Belt where there are large churches on every corner right. uh, in the United States and um, but kind of fell in love with that type of work. And um, after seminary, I served, uh, served a very large church in Amarillo, Texas as their associate pastor. And uh, while on a trip, there was a member of that church who um, asked me if I would apply to be the senior pastor here in Santa Fe. Um, she and her husband had been the senior pastor here at this church during the 1970s and 80s, uh, Charlie Price. And um, Sherry, uh, Charlie has passed away, but on that uh, trip about seven or eight years ago, Sherry said, I really wish you would apply to be the pastor at at First Baptist Santa Fe. And I did, and um, I guess they liked my application because they asked me to come and and be their pastor. And I've been doing that for a little over uh, five and a half years. It's been a great privilege. We, We really love so I guess I, I, I thank you for sharing that story. I, I genuinely really appreciate hearing how, how what brought you here. For me, 
when, as soon as you say missionary, I'll be honest, my hackles go up a little. Um, sure. Because I, in Judaism, we don't proselytize. We don't go out and say, hey, everyone, this is what Judaism says. We're not looking to convert people. We just, um, we are, we're just doing our thing. And if people are interested, then they can come and learn and see and so on. So I guess my question for you is, is something that maybe you, only you can answer for me, which is what's the drive for you? What was the drive for you? In missionary work, what you know, in some sense, I'm, I'm going to ask this in a challenging way deliberately. In some sense, in the Jewish community, we're very comfortable and confident in what we have, and so if people like it, they'll come to it. Um, why? Why do you feel the need, or why did you feel the need to go out to to bring Christianity to people who don't have it? Is there a insecurity that they might not accept it or is there a joy of of but this is so good you need to learn it and share it? what what's driving what's driving that sure it's a great question and uh, i'd love to share a little bit in a minute about how i even came to believe um in jesus christ as um, my lord and savior you know christ is just the the Greek word for Messiah, the, the Hebrew word for the, the anointed Savior that God will send. And um, the I guess the bottom line um, for me is that Jesus tells his followers to go into the world and to make disciples of all nations. And, and when he does that, it's not out of a... Um, a dictatorial or, um, you know, some type of um, weird authority. I, I don't think, I, I think it's it's about taking a message of good news to a world that, that needs some good news. And, um, you know, perhaps your readers are familiar with a verse in the New Testament that Jesus says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. It's, it's a message of eternal joy. The next verse says, John three seventeen. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. And so it's a message that is uh, universal. It's also, I, I realize, a very specific message. It's it's both very exclusive and very inclusive, isn't right. it? It's a message for the whole world, totally inclusive. But it is a, an exclusive message to, to believe in Christ alone as Savior um, or as Messiah um, is, is kind of a, the message of love that we're called to bring. But we're called to bring it in love and uh, to let people make a free decision about what they want to do with that message. And, and I realize a lot of people... Um, don't want anything to do with that, and, and, and that's between them and God at that point. It's just, as I understand the role of a disciple, is to be a witness to mm -hmm. the person and work of Jesus, um, who we believe is that Messiah figure. I think it really connects uh, well to Hebrews, or excuse me, to Genesis chapter 12, when, you know, God calls Abraham to go forth uh, from everything he knew, his relatives and father's house, to a land that God says he will show him. And 
He says, I will make you a great nation and make you great, and I will, um, you will, I'm going to bless you. And he says, I will bless those who bless you and those who curse you, I will curse. In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And uh, really, I, I think that that covenant with Abraham, that, that Jesus fulfills that calling and promise to be a, that, that all of the, um, the, the progeny of Abraham will be a blessing throughout the whole earth. And I think it really comes through um, the Messiah in, in my mind. But the bottom line is Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. So that's why we do it. Because right. <laughs> he, tells, he I, says that I, that's I, at the end of uh, Matthew's gospel on Matthew chapter 28. I love that answer, and it's opened up a whole uh, direction, possible direction, when you talked about it being an exclusive and inclusive message. We have to take a pause, but but I want to come back to that. I have so many other questions that I wanted to ask you, but I think you opened up a door which is really important in a sort of um, Jewish Baptist dialogue um, about sure. what does that mean, you know, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What does that mean for those who don't believe in him? So sure. um, let's hold on to that question. Um, I, and I know that wasn't necessarily where we were planning on going, but since you opened the door, I've got to step through it. So <laughs> we're going to take a pause um, and then we're going to come back to to explore that you're listening to soul searching on ksfr with rabbi neil amswich from temple Beth shalom in santa fe my guest this evening pastor reed Reedus, uh, senior pastor of first baptist church here in santa fe and we'll be back in a moment You're listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom in Santa Fe. My guest, uh, Pastor Reed Reedus, Senior Pastor of First Baptist Church here in Santa Fe, who before the break opened a door that I have to step through as a theologian, as a rabbi. Uh, you quoted John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And you very generously, I think, said that was an exclusive and inclusive inclusive message. What does that mean for me? Right? What does that mean for anyone who isn't a Christian? And I do understand the the desire to save it to save people, to give them an eternal life if you believe that um, that's only accessible through belief in the Son of God as presented in the Christian Bible. But what about those who are uh, who are not Christian? Does that mean we don't have everlasting life? So it's a great question, and the the inferred answer that you you picked up on so quickly there in um, that's coming from John's Gospel, chapter three, uh, verse sixteen and, and seventeen. The the inferred answer is yes. That uh, apart from Jesus says it another way later on in John fourteen six, he says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." And no one gets to the Father but by me. And and that's really a, a great or, or maybe tough thing to think about the exclusivity of faith in Christ. And, and Paul explains it in Romans as the way that the saints of old throughout the, the, the Hebrew Bible, as you say, 
the way that they came to be saved was uh, through faith. They trusted that God would save them. They believed in Him. And so their faith looked forward as the development of the Hebrew Bible progresses, the, the calling that there will be this Messiah figure, Yeshua, who will, who will be a part in, in Isaiah, he's the suffering servant, and Daniel, he's the son of man that will come and be this uh, savior figure. Um, Isaiah, uh, of course, uh, 53, uh, I think mm-hmm. very specifically uh, shows the, the suffering nature of the Messiah figure, um, that, that he will be the one that will come and save. And as we trust in God, as Abraham did, we will be saved too. It's by faith alone that we are saved, but it is faith in this Messiah figure. And I recognize that does open a a can of worms. So is God just in um, not saving those who don't believe? And I think, um, for me anyways, the best way to look at that is that God is, is in a sense, a gentleman. Uh, He won't force himself on anyone who doesn't want him uh, in their life. But at that point, they... Uh, are standing in their sins, and they don't have the substitutionary sacrifice of the Messiah to pay for their sins, the the perfect uh, atonement lamb that he was. I think you mentioned atonement uh, with me before uh, we got going in this conversation. And so um, Christ is the, the perfect atoning lamb, is the only one worthy to pay the price uh, that our, our sins deserve. I'm involved with a, a ministry in Israel, uh, Israel College of the Bible. Um, their academic dean was my neighbor during seminary, and they have a, a bunch of YouTube videos called One for Israel um, that I would recommend to you or to your listeners, those who are interested or open uh, to thinking about uh, Jesus as Messiah. And, and so many of them say, believing in Christ was the most Jewish decision I ever made. Um, and, and those videos have had a profound impact on me. I've loved listening to They're mostly sh- five to ten minute uh, little stories about um, who Christ is, and, and they've been very effective for me. But you, the question I think you're asking goes to theodicy, and can God be just um, and allow people to perish? And the only thing I, I know to say is that um, as we see... Him from creation and the way he crafts, um, you know, breathes into the dust and, and creates um, mankind. It's so beautiful. You, you sense God's great care. We are made in the image of God, it says in Genesis, right. doesn't it? And he cares about us very much. And on into the New Testament, God says he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He deeply desires people to receive this gift of the forgiveness of their sin. But at the same time, he um, sin is very important to him, and I think that's something we see, again, consistently from Genesis to Revelation, that God would not be just and allow sin to go without any punishment. It would be unjust to um, not have some punishment for David's, all of the atrocities he committed with Bathsheba and against Uriah, um, there there has to be a reckoning. And so, I think what was so hard to 
must have been so hard to imagine in the Hebrew Bible is that that, that reckoning, that justice, he would level against himself. That he, on the cross, God himself, would pay for what our sins deserved and offer us this gift of forgiveness. It's To me, the only way God can be loving and just is by the cross of Jesus Christ. You know, I really, I really appreciate your honesty and, and openness to taking that question. I have to respond. You know, there's so many things that you've brought up. I have to respond to one thing that you said sure. very specifically when you said in these videos, people talking about, I, I think you said believing in Christ was the most Jewish thing for me. And I don't know if you heard the noise I made as you said that because... I didn't. Right? Because I, I literally sort of went, whoa, because, um, because for the Jewish community, that's what takes you immediately out of Judaism. Um, and... I think it's that's when somebody becomes a Christian. And I, as a, a very proud member of the Interfaith Leadership Alliance, you know, really, sure. really celebrate people of different faiths and said, you have your faith, I have my faith. And so we can learn from each other. But when somebody turns around and says, believing in my faith is what makes them most authentically your faith is where I have a real difficulty. Um, and so I'm, I'm struggling with that. You know, I know that there are people who call themselves Messianic Jews or Jews for Jesus or something like that. We've never actually mentioned that on this show in the years we've had this show. Um, but, but quite bluntly, the Jewish community turns around and says, that's fine if you want to call yourself a Bible, a Torah observant Christian, for example, you know, feel mm -hmm. free, but you can't, mm -hmm. you can't change another community. You can't say, well, now the Jewish community means believing in Jesus, because then what if um, a Muslim turns around and says, well, I'm actually believing uh, in Muhammad and believing in Allah makes me the ideal Jew. You know, suddenly we're engaging in this cultural religious misappropriation where we're redefining another religion on our terms and we're saying we, we are now the most authentic representation of you which becomes a sort of a very difficult replacement theology so i i think i have to i don't normally speak out against things but when you said that i think i have to give a a, a response a jewish response as a rabbi to say that's not judaism and if somebody or, thinks no, if somebody I, I thinks they are yeah I think that, um, you know, look, my doctoral work focuses on that all ethnicities are beloved in God's eyes. And right. so I, I really have an appreciation for what you're saying. I, what I was saying more is, is these are ethnically Jewish people who are saying that. And um, that I was, you know, I am not ethnically Jewish. Right. And, um, but my friend uh, Seth is, who teaches, he's the academic dean there at Israel College of the Bible. And they're the ones who have produce uh, these videos, one for Israel. They work with um, both Arabs and Jews and uh, other folks who find themselves uh, in Israel, and um, they're the one. And, you know, the other thing, too, I would say is just that um, Jesus and all of his disciples were originally Jewish. Oh, sure. uh, I'm no very question. much a second comer uh, to the, the table of God's grace. Uh, as a Gentile, and I, I recognize that, and I think that there's a, a humility to that for me. You know, I, I would say trust Paul, who was uh, trained by Gamaliel and uh, the tribe of Benjamin. Um, you know, to me, he has a, 
the ability to say that um, he doesn't have to be humble about his desire to follow Christ and to say it is Jewish for him to do that. But I, I hear what you're saying. I am definitely a Gentile, and I recognize that. Yeah, and I think I, you know, when you said it again, it's not my place to necessarily question other people. But when you say there's somebody in Israel who is Jewish who is producing videos that says to be Jewish means, or to be authentically Jewish means to practice Christianity or to believe in Christianity. At that point, that person may have been born Jewish, but according to the everyone in the Jewish community, they're no longer Jewish. And that's not a rejection. That's just simply saying, by definition, you know, a Jew is someone who believes this. And that mm-hmm. Judaism has, you know, we, we talk about the 70 faces of Torah. So there isn't just one way to be Jewish, but there are definitely ways to not be Jewish. And so just because somebody calls themselves Jewish, if they believe something that specifically isn't Jewish, I think it's, uh, I, I, I find it challenging, I think. And, and, and the, because if nothing else, I think it takes away from what we contribute um, as Jews, because the, the, the aim of interfaith work and interfaith dialogue for me is to say, you are not me and I am not you. And that's how we can learn from each other. Um, as opposed to, well, actually, I'm very similar to you, and I believe the same things as you, so basically, you don't even need to be at this table because I've got you covered. So mm-hmm. I guess I guess in our final minute, this wasn't where I was planning on taking this conversation <laughs> at all. Um, and I, I genuinely hope, I really appreciate you you sharing this and being open to this, to, to us exploring this, because I really hope that you can come back on the show and, and, um, and, and we can talk more and engage in this, this um, uh, theological debate. I, there's one question I, I had to ask, because it, you were talking about John 3.16 and whoever believes in me. And in Judaism, it's not about belief, it's about action. So yes. given that we have only one minute left, um, how do you reconcile belief being the saving factor as opposed to actually going out and doing things in the world? You've got one minute. In one minute, um, Ephesians says that it is Paul, the, the, who I was saying is a Hebrew of Hebrews, he says, of the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day. He says there in Ephesians 2, it is by grace we have been saved through faith, this not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And then he goes on to say, uh, we are not saved by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Uh, and so uh, the whole thing with salvation is that the Hebrew law taught us, the, Paul calls it a tutor, and it was meant to teach us that we can't measure up. We can't live it perfectly. It's always God's way. I just read this morning in my devotional where Jesus says that uh, not one part of the law will pass away. Right, right. But then uh, Paul tells us that we are God's workmanship, that we still are to aim ourselves at doing right and pursuing justice, loving mercy, walking humbly with our God, loving people. Our purpose here at First Baptist is to love God, love others, and make disciples of Jesus. So we very much want to lovingly present a message, uh, 
but full of love. We understand some people will not have any interests, and we still want them to know we care about them. No, we that's love great. I, re- I, I genuinely appreciate that because I think that's, that's a really important way to, to reconcile faith and action. So I, I really appreciate that. We've totally run out of time. So I just <laughs> please come back to our show. Pastor Reed Reedus, Senior Pastor of First Baptist Church, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Rabbi Neil. It's been a joy to spend a few minutes with you. You've been listening to Soul Searching with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom and from the Interfaith Leadership Alliance of Santa Fe. Until we return again in two weeks' time, keep searching.